Welcome to another place and time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello everybody and welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Rob Riches. And I'm your other host, Cheryl Riches. Welcome all you rock stars out there listening to us tonight. Oh, we're rock stars this week. People listening to us are. You're not. <laughs> Listen, I have five dogs in this house right now. I am a rock star, if nothing else. <laughs> not a rock star. <laughs> Sex, you're a rock star. <laughs> Why do you have five dogs in this house anyways? Are you trying to kill me? Is that what the plan is? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> it's chaos. But it's good chaos. They're it not is. dying. That's true. They could That's be dead. That's true. So what happened was, is we still have Martha with us, as we've talked about in future ep- uh, or past episodes. I guess not future, because, well, maybe we have. I don't know. I'm not there. Future episodes. She'll be adopted and living a happy life. Yes, this is true. So <laughs> she does have she does have some adoptions pending on her. So hopefully she will have her fur, forever home. <laughs> See what I did there? Fur. Yeah, forever home. I think probably by the next time we record, she'll be some living somewhere else, which is bittersweet. I've grown uh, attached more to... sweet than bitter. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, I've grown <laughs> attached to the little bugger. Yes, yes. You know, you get used to her ways, and now she snuggles in the bed and sleeps beside us, and she's starting yeah. to become one of the pack. But yeah, however, bigger and better things for her. There was an emergency adoption, uh, an emergency foster that was needed, a dog that was uh, apparently adopted and was on its way to Canada, and then the people backed out last minute. So they had no adopters up for this dog. So Cheryl and I said that we had lots of room and we would take on this dog, and so we did. And she is a good girl, too. It's just, there's a lot of dogs in this house right now. Our St. Bernard's just keep watching. Like, it's like watching Pong. You can see their heads going back and forth. It's kind of funny. Because <laughs> the three, the two are younger and they're uh, like two years old and, and nine months. So they're running like 100 miles an hour. Our old girl has always been full of energy. So now she's got people that try to keep up with her. And the two St. Bernard's are like, what is going on? Like, stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, Roscoe sat on one. <laughs> he did. He <laughs> He's did. like enough and sat on it. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, we gave them all chew toys, and Martha jumped up in the Roscoe spot where he loves to eat his chew toys, and Roscoe was like, "Screw this!" and sat right on top of her. <laughs> so that's the excitement stuff going on around here. Plus, of course, we're getting ready for the silly season, getting ready for Christmas, and yeah all that good stuff and arranging with family and when people are coming and not coming and who's coming and who's fighting and who's not fighting and <laughs> all that good stuff. I'm sure as everybody other, other family is doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I'll put my tree up again with no, like, <laughs> no decorations. Maybe I'll try to get decorations on it this year. No, no. Why not? Why? Why are you going <laughs> to set yourself up for failure? It could happen. Nope. It won't. <laughs> And that's okay with me. I know as everybody's um, heard before in the past, or if you're new to this, I hate Christmas. Christmas to me is one of the most wasteful times of the year. Um, Yeah, if it was just, if it was like Thanksgiving where you get together, you have a dinner, you have fun, whatever. I don't know. It just feels like. It's commercial propaganda. It's so commercialized and it's so stupid. And I'm so done with it. Yeah. I really am buy this don't buy that do this don't do that blah 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 yeah 
It's just or sell everything and move to Costa Rica. And when and seriously, when and when do you like when when do you stop for your kids? At what age do you say, okay, enough for your kids? Well, you never do. They're your kids. Yeah, but so your parents still do hundred and two hundred dollar gifts for you? They spend quite a bit. I don't know. I this is the whole thing about Christmas, right? I shouldn't be spending. I mean, I get it when they're a certain age, but to me, eighteen, you're an adult now. You kind of know what's going on. You kind of know what's standing. Are you should you still be running around spending two, three hundred dollars on your kids? Like your parents buy bed sheets, <laughs> yes. fifty bucks, <laughs> which is fine. That's great if that's what they want to do. But I mean, every year, you know, blah blah blah. But you know, and then every year, usually my parents. I don't know how it'll go this year with. uh things doing earlier they put 50 bucks in the car but why yeah. just keep the 50 bucks like why yeah. can't we just get together yeah. why do we have to go well, out and spend with... hundreds of dollars on yeah. on this and then you know you never know who's going to have a girlfriend who's not going to have a girlfriend are they going to be together or not going to be together oh get this per like it's just why like yeah. at this age yeah it's, it's well with my parents with too one, like, my, my parents have like lots of kids and grandkids like they just need to I don't know. They're on a limited budget. They just need to stop. Well, that's really. the thing. Everybody's on a limited budget, though. Yeah. Everybody is on a limited budget right now. The the food pricing has gone through the roof. Gas has gone through the roof. Like, just make yeah. it get together. Why yeah. does it have to be about the gifts and the spending and, and all that crap? And everybody makes, like, I just, and that's why I think I hate Christmas. Like, really, that's one of the things I hate about Christmas. If you don't do this and you don't do that, then you're not a good parent. If you do this, you're a bad parent. Oh, Susie got this and Johnny got that and your kids only got this. And now it's, oh, don't give your gift, your big gifts from Santa Claus because Tommy's not going to get yeah. that from Santa Claus. Like, how many fucking rules do we have to follow <laughs> for this really joyous season that we have to have? Like, really? I got an idea. How about nobody does gifts? Yeah. How about we say, screw it? How about we give the big finger... To all the retailers out there that screw us over year after year, that keep raising prices, and you know they're rising prices. You know why they know I know they're raising prices? Because I can go to Canadian Tire and buy a socket set for a hundred dollars, and I can wait a week and they'll put it on for fifty percent off. And I can buy 60, it for fifty dollars yeah, or sixty percent. Yeah, like yeah and I can buy, and you know they're still making money. <laughs> yeah. But what do we do as stupid consumers? We go out, and go, oh, it's Christmas, let's spend our money, and you know they're jacking shit up, and then Boxing Day comes, and we go out and spend more money. Yeah. Why? Because we need material objects to make ourselves happy. Yeah. Like, what is it? Like, I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. I don't get it. Like, seriously. It's just, it just seems like it's, and now I'm on a Christmas rant again. Why did you bring up Christmas? <laughs> you brought up Christmas. Well, that was stupid. You should have stopped me. <laughs> Hate it. Okay, I'm off my Christmas rant. <laughs> Let's and, go on to something and else. And to our children who listen to this, we love you and we give I you gifts. I do love my children. And, no, but I'm saying, I'm saying we love you and we give you gifts because we love you. And we don't feel obligated. We give you gifts. I feel obligated. <laughs> well, I don't. I give my kids gifts because I think, like, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know because you feel obligated because this time of year, that's what you're supposed to do. Because if you knew why, you'd have an answer on why you do it for them. I know why I do it for them for the birthday. Because I'm glad they're around. I'm glad they were born. Well, I'm happy they were born. Christmas. But I go out and have dinner with them. I don't buy them gifts. I go out and celebrate with them. I go and spend time with them. I don't buy them gifts. What's Christmas? Christmas is some made-up stupid fucking holiday that we have out there. That's not even when Christ was born. He was born back in June, for God's sakes. Yeah. So it's a commercialized holiday based on lies that we sit out there and celebrate and have all these people over to do what? Like, why am I doing a secret Santa every year? Here's 50 bucks, and what do I get back in return? A bottle of booze I don't even drink! Okay, let's move on. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. It's, it's, it is. It's it's a total disaster. <laughs> 
and it, I just don't get it. I just, it just hurts my head sometimes <laughs> to think of it. And it has nothing to do with our kids. It's the whole society out yeah. there that does it. No, I'm not saying true. this is our family and this is what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And if the kids want to get mad, well, they can get mad. But this is the absolute truth out there. It's the truth. We Nobody knows why they do it. Somebody made it up and said, oh, this is what you do. And as usual, we follow along with some church. Oh, okay. We'll oh, I, I read that somewhere. Tradition is like peer pressure from dead people. It is. <laughs> do you know that a lot of families get together year after year after year because of grandparents? And when those grandparents pass away, it stops. And yeah. look at COVID. Look how much COVID took away from traditions and people stopped getting together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, And I get that some of those things were locked down and you couldn't do this. But I don't know. I mean, they just... It is. I watched my family go through that. When my grandfather and grandmother on my mother's side passed away, I never see my aunt and uncle again. Yeah, that's weird. It's yes, because they came down to to honor their their parents. Right. Yeah. But the siblings never kept it up. They never kept it going. They're like, oh, we should keep this going and blah blah blah. Never happens. Right. What do you think is going to happen with your parents? Look at look at the look at the. I mean, right now in your dynamics. Love your brothers. I think they're awesome. But when your parents pass away, we've already got one brother that we don't really see a whole lot now because of where he's lived, moved to. Right. Right. And we got another brother that's up there. We've got your brother that lives close to your parents. Like, seriously, when your parents pass away, how long do you think it's going to go on? For? I don't know, but that's a th sad thought. <laughs> it is a sad thought. I, I, it is, absolutely it is. But the only reason why people got together is because of what you said. Is because there is tradition that was forced upon us by people that have passed away. And after a while, that 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 goes away, and and it just you just don't see each other. So why don't you make plans to see each other like we do with our friends? Do you know that we make plans to see our friends once a month? We make it. We 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 tell ourselves once a month we're going to get together with so and so to do a games night, or once or once a month we're going to get together to do this. And we don't even make that kind of um arrangements with our own parents with our own siblings but we do it with our friends and there's a ton of people out there to do that yeah that's true we should work you know? on that that's that's our new year's resolution no my new year's resolution is lose weight <laughs> <laughs> why do you get me on these rants <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i'm regretting <laughs> just so you guys know this time of year i get really really grumpy <laughs> really grumpy i'll be much better when january comes i get really grumpy two times right. a year why don't we go to our stories how about we do that oh that wasn't even a good segue i didn't need a segue i, I just need you to shut up sister <laughs> please drink your coke i got it i understand carry on I'm you got on. a story i do have a story you got a drink i have a drink then shut up <laughs> How am I going to tell my story if I shut I don't know. up? It would be so much better just not to hear your voice. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pause this. We'll edit it out later. I'm about to go beat my husband. <laughs> uh, maybe you should just tell your story, honey. <laughs> there not we you. go. That's better. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week, I'm going to tell you about Terry Jandusa Nikolai. Um, I searched everywhere and you're going to tell me you didn't do your homework or whatever, but I literally searched everywhere and I could not find one single thing about her early life, except that she was from Racine County, Wisconsin, and she was previously divorced. I don't know anything about her first marriage. And isn't this the one that you told me you actually researched and you don't think anybody else has actually told this story? No, that one was a good story, but it was very, very short. So I had to pick a different story. Maybe I'll add that other story on as like when I have another short story, I'll combine them or something. Oh, yeah. So you switched on me. 
I switch. Not that she tells me her stories. Let me get this straight. She doesn't tell her story, but sometimes she gets really excited about yeah. her stories and she's like, oh, I don't even think anybody's ever done this one before. Yeah. So but, she had the opportunity to be the first and chose not to. Well, I will maybe, but I have to combine it with something else. So maybe I'll do that next week. Maybe I'll next week somebody a, else will already done it. A twofer. A, a twofer. twofer. <laughs> yeah. So look at you planning alcohol stories. <laughs> okay. Back to Terry. Terry first met her future husband, David Larson, in 1995. She was really impressed with him because he was good looking. He had a good job as an air traffic controller, which, I mean, <laughs> red flags there. I'm sorry to all you air traffic controllers out there, but I know it's like the most stressful job in the universe. Yeah, that's because they're not married to you. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and he owned his own house. The two fell in love, and after a year of dating, they were married in 1996. 1996 was a significant year for me. I had my first child. Okay. Oh, my God. You had your first child in 96? <laughs> yes. Holy crap. <laughs> okay. You're so old. I am not. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> Read your story. Okay. It didn't take long for David's abusive manner to start showing. This is their honeymoon. I'm going to tell you about their honeymoon in Hawaii after they had like a little lover's quarrel. I don't, it doesn't say what they were fighting about, but it was something stupid, whatever it was, right? Like it was probably her saying she was going to take him somewhere and beat him. I don't know, right? Like it was just something silly. Anyway. You know how my wife, uh, she, she was just going to take him somewhere. That's because I'm abused. <laughs> help. <laughs> Somebody help me. Nobody believes you. <laughs> That's the problem. Okay. They're in Hawaii. They had a fight. And while they, because they had a fight, David hit Terry over the head several times on their honeymoon in Hawaii. That's what happens to me. <laughs> it's not. Okay. But that's what abusive people do, right? They're sweet and charming and charismatic. And then they like win you over. And as soon as, as soon as they win you over, they're like, gotcha. And then their true colors start shining through. I feel like I'm speaking for ex from experience. Okay. David and Terry very quickly started a family in 19... Not you, babe, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you should have covered tracks there, folks. Did you hear that? I was going to point it out, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave it because I'm going to use this. But, yeah, that's right. See? You just told me... Oh, not you, honey. You're not abusive. It's me. Okay. In 1997, Terry gave birth to a baby girl named Amanda, and in 1999, she gave birth to another baby girl named Holly. Oh, that's when I had my first child, 1999. Well, Manita. Hmm. Over the course of their three-year marriage, no, you didn't. Was it 99? Oh, it was too. You tell me I don't know what you see, <laughs> Quinn. That's because daddy loves you, buddy. <laughs> I just, for a second, I thought that Quinn no. and Colin were born in the same year, but they no. weren't. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't worry, Quinn. Dad loves you. I know you listen to this. Okay. Bad, Cheryl. <laughs> Over the course of their three-year marriage, neighbors said they seemed like a happy, normal family. But in reality, David was violent and unreasonably controlling. He would yell at her if the window curtains were out of place or if the towels weren't for, weren't folded in a certain way. Oh, uh, well, okay. Like, hold on a minute. The towel thing, I understand. <laughs> This guy would die in our house. Because your towels are folded so stupidly. I hate the way you fold towels. I fold things so that I can move on with my life. You don't fold <laughs> stuff. You roll it in a circle and throw it in there. Folding towels is not my life. I have other things to do. 
I have five dogs in the house, for God's oh, sake. <laughs> you've had five dogs in the house for three minutes. <laughs> but I've got a full-time job. I do a podcast. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't. And what do I, I do? do? I'm not... I fold the towels properly. <laughs> We're going to I hang the jeans properly. <laughs> okay. Where was I? You oh. know what my problem is? because I worked at a laundromat. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I worked at a laundry mat and it was ingrained in me that this is the way things are supposed to be folded. And now I do have a little bit of OCD and it 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 just bothers me. Yeah. It does. And I just don't care. As long as you're like, it was in the washing, it's in the dryer, it's in a basket. Shut up. <laughs> okay, honey. I will take it upstairs and put it away. Okay. He made her keep the door open when she was showering or using the bathroom, and she later said that she'll never forget the evening David picked a fight over spaghetti. Terry was making dinner and had all of her ingredients out on the counter when her husband demanded that she put the package of the noodles away before they went bad. Terry went, what do you mean? They're dried, and I'm making dinner. Do you want to eat? And David responded that it didn't matter if it made sense or not, that she was to do it as she told she was told the argument escalated and Terry found herself running down the basement stairs. She had no other place to go because David had installed locks on the insides of the doors and only his keys could open them. And she was sitting in the basement thinking to herself, I'm 30 years old sitting in a box in my basement, hiding from my husband. What the hell am I doing? Not listening. Oh, ouch. Hate mail for you. So much hate mail. <laughs> um, she was so afraid of his explosive reactions to accidents, like 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 if she broke a glass, that she would throw away incriminating evidence in the neighbor's garbage bin. But Terry also thought that she could change David. That's the problem, right? Most women do. It's not like it's the mentality. It's the normal thinking. I don't know. I I can't explain. It's it. the mo- it's, it's it's the motherly instinct. Yeah. It's that built-in instinct that you guys have that you think, oh my god, he, I can fix him. I can change or, him. Or like, I can what's going to happen if I leave? He'll there's going something bad is going to happen to me, and I'm going to feel responsible because I did it because something bad happened to him. I said me, but I mean meant him. Like if I leave, he's going to fail. He's going to fall on his face, and it's going to be all my fault. That's I think mostly what women think and she also thought well like if i just do this or i say this or i don't do this or i don't say this he'll be happy even though their neighbors thought everything was happy and normal the police responded to several several domestic violence calls in 1999 when terry noticed that their dysfunctional relationship was starting to affect their their daughter she decided it was time to get a divorce good for you when the divorce was granted, the judge awarded David joint custody. Like he didn't listen to her at all. He, he split the custody. David told her the day that they were divorced that she would regret, regret ever divorcing him. Terry was forced to have regular contact with David. And she always felt a threat of violence because every time she dropped the kids off, he was still verbally abusive towards her. Oh, we know all about that. Yep. Both of us. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It got so bad that she began insisting they exchange the kids in public places like McDonald's or the hardware store. She called the police twice and eventually filed a restraining order against him. But she still kept living her life as best she could. She met a man from her church, Nick Nikolai, and the two were married. 
Terry never stopped fighting for her children because she didn't want to have joint custody. She wanted full custody. She told the courts about David's abuse and said it wasn't safe for them there, but the courts didn't see that way. This is Which is so unusual because here in Canada, my God, it's fighting tooth and nail for the guy. Look how much arguing and fighting yeah. in, in court. Do you remember in the do. late 90s, though, there was that slight sway in the court system where they were like, oh, well, if a guy needs, if a guy wants to have, I don't know, there was this little bit of time in the past where the courts kind of leaned towards men again the other way. Uh, maybe a little bit in the joint custody, but never in the full no, custody. No, never in full like custody, nothing, no. But yeah. Yeah, I guess there was a little bit there, but I mean... I went through it back and forth and everything like that, and they fought and fought and for nothing. Yeah. But at the time, they said they were impressed by the fact that a father wanted to spend time with his children. Well, I think that's the other thing, too, right? Back then, it was so much that guys had kids and they fucked yeah. off. Well, it was all what was it was deadbeat dad. Everything was deadbeat yeah. dad. Right? Everything. Yeah. Um, the order from the court stated that David was not to have firearms in the house. But Terry knew that he did. But it wasn't enough evidence for a warrant to be to raid David's house. Like she went to the police and say said like I know he has firearms, but they were like, "You saying that isn't enough evidence. We can't raid his house to look." The battle was drawn out for over four years. The judge eventually said that there would be no more delays. That the two would go to court and Terry would have a chance to fight for full custody for her children. And that's when David completely lost it. Still, Terry held out hope that her ex had moved beyond the animosity. I'm sure he said some sweet words and whatever, and she believed his BS. And despite the restraining order, when David asked Terry to collect her daughters from his house, she agreed. She couldn't ask her husband or friends to accompany her every time she needed to pick up her kids, she thought to herself. David was still living in the house they had shared while they were married in conditions that bordered on hoarding. Hoarding. He had held on to mementos from their wedding, including her dress, photo albums, and video footage, which he showed the girls as proof that mommy doesn't keep her promises. Do you know what, speaking of videos for weddings, guys, I came in the other day and my wife was watching ours and I didn't know she was watching ours and she was screaming, don't go in, don't go in, don't go in. <laughs> she tells me sometimes her favorite thing is to watch it backwards because that way she walks out of the church. This is all lies. All lies. Heard <laughs> that in a comic sketch. I loved it. So anyways, on January 31st, 2004, Terry went to David's house to pick up her children. They were now six and four. When she got there, she said David was uncharac... Uh, oh, that's a bad one. Uncharacteristically calm. And he lured her into the house by telling her that the girls were playing hide and seek. So she would need to come in and find them. Well, that's okay. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, oh my God. Yeah. I, what was, I don't know. Hindsight is everything, right? That's, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, come on. You don't go in the house. No, she shouldn't have, but we're not going to like victim shame her here either. Yes, I am. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> everything and Terry told her not to go inside, but she didn't want to disappoint her girls. Like what if they were actually playing hide and seek and they were waiting for her? Well, maybe mommy should hide in the car and it's their turn to find her. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, when she went into the house, David attacked her from behind, hitting her with a baseball bat at least 10 times in the head. Ouch. Yeah. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah. Terry says that she remembered him saying, you're not taking the girls away from me. You always said that I abused you. Now you can say what abuse really is. 
David then taped her ankles, wrists, and face. Terry had the idea to shallow her breathing and pretend she was dead, and maybe David would leave her alone, but nope, that didn't happen. David picked up Terry, shoved her into a large garbage can, then filled the garbage can with snow and put the garbage can in the back of his truck. So the last two episodes have been like stuff that you would hate the most. I think this is something that I would hate the most. Really? Yeah. Why? What do you mean, why? She shoved in a garbage can in January in the, with snow and ice shoved on top of her in the back of a pickup truck. It'd be like truck. an insulator. You'd be warm. <laughs> I don't think she would be warm. I don't think that's a true. It's truth. Okay. Then he covered the can with a tarp. Oh, and I f- haven't mentioned up until this point, but Terry was pregnant with her new husband's baby. Oh. Yeah. Trust question. What? She went in the house looking for the girls. Yeah. Where are they? We're getting to that. Oh. David went inside to get the girls. <laughs> Terry managed to reach into her pocket, get her phone, and dial 911. She was shouting David's address to the operator, and although the operator could barely hear her, they did manage to get David's address. Terry said that she could hear the sirens pulling up to David's house, but he was already driving away as the cops arrived. When the police searched the house, they did fortunately see signs of a struggle and blood. But there was no sign of Terry or the girls anywhere. So an Amber Alert was was issued for the girls. Three hours after Terry and the girls were supposed to return home, Nick, her husband, called the police. Nick gave the operator David's address, and the operator said a woman had called in earlier with the same address, but when the authorities showed up, the house was empty. I don't, yeah, I guess they didn't know who it was at that point. Anyways, they're just cluing all the pieces together. What I don't understand, though, is it's not, I mean... Back at your earlier statement, you stated that he was in the same home. They're saying, well, they've had an abusive relationship and the police have been called there. You'd think they'd know who owned the house. No, I think they did know who owned the house. They didn't know who made the call. Oh. Yeah. Okay. My bad. Carry yeah. on. Uh, deputy. Don't beat me. Oh, Nick. So where were they? Da, 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 da. Oh, there. I don't know where you are. <laughs> deputies. Do you know where you are? Deputies were already at the house. But the house was empty. They questioned neighbors who said they'd seen David towing Terry's car earlier in that morning. So if they, I don't know how that happened because they must have come, the police must have shown and then shown up and then left because Terry said she heard the sirens. That's one thing I couldn't piece together. What's that? Well, how did, when did he have time to tow the car? Well, they're not going to hang out there forever. Yeah. So they probably showed there was nobody there and they probably put an APB out and started looking around to see yeah. if there was anybody in the, uh, vicinity or whatever yeah so that must have been what happened well you think they would put a car there in case yeah yeah while all of this was going resources right yes that's true too and they don't really know what was going on in the call they just know somebody was shouting in the dress at that point but while all of this was going on terry's still bleeding and suffering head traumas from the baseball bat so she's in and out of consciousness but she managed to make another call to 911 for help She told the operator her husband was trying to kill her and that she was in the back of his green Dodge Ram. Detectives returned to David's home, hoping they'd find Holly or Amanda there, the children. What they found instead made this case even more urgent. Black sweatpants that matched Nick's description of what Terry had been wearing that day, a large blood stain on the carpet, and an empty handgun case. Now they were operating under the assumption that Terry had been badly assaulted and David was armed. 
nearly 100 police officers and several volunteers, some who had never even met Terry before, began frantically searching for her. But by this time, Terry was in a storage unit 40 miles away from David's house. Now, barely dressed, hurt, taped, unable to breathe, and in and out of consciousness, Terry stayed in a snow-filled garbage can for the next 26 hours. You know what, though? That might have actually saved her. The snow? I think it probably did. I bet you it did. Because well, it, it does take, act it as an insulator. Well, that and it would take some of the swelling down. like some Yeah, of the, you know, yeah. Some of... I bet you it did. David dropped the girls off at a babysitter's house at 6 p.m. and reported to work where police were waiting to arrest him for kidnapping and child abduction. Like the balls on this guy, right? He showed up for work after an Amber Alert was issued on his girls. We can't even get people to show up for work now. <laughs> <laughs> this guy committed felonies and showed yeah. up for work. I'm hiring him. <laughs> when they told David his ex-wife was missing, he pretended to be concerned. What? What's What happened? What has happened? <laughs> Detectives Chris Schmeling and I wonder why she didn't show up to pick up the girls. I had to drop them off at a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said, actually. I know. Detectives. Think about that. I know. <laughs> Detectives Chris Schmeling and Thomas Noss would spend six and a half hours questioning David when it was all said and done. Right away, he told them Terry hadn't shown up to pick up their daughters, so he had dropped the kids off at his girlfriend's house before heading to work. Authorities checked the location and were relieved to find the children there, but both girls said they hadn't seen their mom that day. Schmeling said, I was begging him, talking to him with tremendous amount of respect, because time was of the essence if they were going to find Terry alive. Then detectives dropped the bomb that they'd found Terry's pants and blood in David's house. He started getting emotional as he was getting called out on his lies. David claimed Terry had attacked him and that he'd responded in self-defense. He said, <laughs> like, what are people thinking? He said that Terry showed up suddenly in his house with her pants around her ankles, holding a hammer over his head. Probably. Strong one. Sex from <laughs> Give me sex or I'll hit you with a hammer. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the storage unit, Terry was fighting for her life. She did manage to get the garbage can lid open to let in air, but it was barely above zero. So the air was brutally cold. Police kept David in custody and finally had a break the next morning after going through his things. They had confiscated what personal belongings he had on him, including a wallet jam-packed with business cards and receipts. They found a business card to the storage unit, which was barely a mile for where, from where he worked. So because he was an air traffic controller, David would have been able to look down from his tower on the storage unit where his ex-wife was either dead or dying when he showed up to work that day. Or see her run out of the... Yeah, see her run yeah. Out of it. Police quickly arrived when Terry heard them. She, When Terry heard them, she was yelling David's name to see if he was near. When he didn't answer, Terry started screaming for help. Police pried the lock off the storage unit, shining their flashlights around the six by eight foot room until they landed on two suspicious objects, a baseball bat with what appeared to be dried blood caked on it and a garbage can with a lid duct taped shut. It was the only container present that was big enough to hide a body. So they peeled the tape off, opened the lid, and they were horrified to find a woman crumpled in a fetal position. Her eyes were swollen shut. Her toes were black with frost. Was, they were so black with frostbite that it looked like she was wearing socks. And she was still alive. Her core body temperature was 86 degrees Fahrenheit. She was within an hour of dying. 
Jesus. Yeah. David had inflicted so much trauma on Terry, including a crushing injury to her skull. Police feared that they were going to cause further further damage if they moved her. So they left her in the garbage can until the paramedics arrived. That must have been awful for both of them, right? Like the the police officers that could do absolutely nothing until the paramedics arrive and Terry who's going, for the love of God, do something. Yeah. Yeah. The surgeon who treated Terry, Dr. It was another Terry. Dr. Terry Martin was shocked by the trauma she had suffered. Her eyes were swollen shut. She was black and blue all over her face. She just wasn't even recognizable as a human being. Doctors did have to give Terry the devastating news that she had miscarried the baby and her feet were so frostbitten that all of her toes would have to be removed. David was so confident in his ability to get away with murder that he hadn't even checked Terry for a cell phone before forcing her into the garbage can. He, and he brutally assaulted her with a baseball bat while her daughter sat locked in the back bedroom of his house crying because they were hungry and no longer distracted by the movie playing on the background. Five weeks into her ex-husband's stay in jail, she was awarded full custody of her children. Do you think? <laughs> right. That's all it took, eh? Yeah, just, just that. Just oh. that. So on August 25th, 2006, David Larson was sentenced to 35 years in pre- prison for attempted first-degree intentional homicide. 35 years. That doesn't even seem like enough, does it? I figure he's pro- he might even be out by now. Thing is, well, he's definitely out by now. Well, no, it would be 99, so no. But, I mean, with good behavior and all that other but stuff. But does he not get charged for murder of the baby? Like, he, he killed... Oh, well, he should have been. You're right. Yeah. Anyways, this is what he got. Terry was hospitalized for seven weeks and remained in a wheelchair for another several weeks. She underwent ten different surgeries. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the sad part about all this, you know. He gets 35 years in jail, whatever. He'll probably serve one third of it for their good behavior, yeah. like you said. So 35, you're talking, what, 10, 10 years, maybe 11 yeah. years, and he'll be out. And she still has to go through all the surgeries. She lost a baby. She has to go through that. Then she has to heal stuff with her own husband. And she'll never be able to wear open-toed sandals again. <laughs> really? <laughs> you don't know that. Have you seen plastic surgery? That's true. Okay. She was pissed that she could no longer jog, at least for a while. She couldn't get up and down the stairs to tuck her daughters into bed. But she was grateful that she and her girls were alive and would never have to see David again. She's made a full recovery and now is, is now an advocate for domestic violence victims. Terry and Nick had a son together afterwards. And when she was asked how she found the strength to live, in, live on in the bitterly cold night, she quoted Nancy Reagan and said, a woman is like a tea bag. Only in hot water do you realize how strong she is. So in the years since the event, Terry has been instrumental in helping draft laws that protect against uh, protect domestic violence victims, like Wisconsin's SAFE Act, which takes the guns out of the hands of abusers. The 2014 law gives authority to sheriff's deputies who previously couldn't take an abuser's firearms without a warranty warrant warranty warrant so she's made some strides in that and she's i'm sure like her kids must be grown by now right yeah they'd be about the same age as yours yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's my well, story what a like that's the thing that frustrates me with the law too, right? And I get it. I get they have to follow it, but like there's so many things there and they can't do anything about it. 
you know, and like I said, a restraining order, that's just a piece of paper yeah. that they walk right, right. through, right? Yeah. Like, uh, no piece of paper is going to stop anybody from, no. like, not when they're in that mindset. No, absolutely not. And that's why you need to teach all of your children self-defense. Yes. Everybody. But then again, what does that do? Then we're just more violent. I don't know. Well, people just stop touching people. There's no answers in this world there's for not. anything. There, really for nothing. Something. There's no answers. There's always there's always another side of the story. To, you know, well, there's, it. yeah, but there's still, I don't know. I don't know. I guess if I did know, then whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> right. a good thing I don't know. All right. Tell me about some stupid people. <laughs> well, there's this guy that beat up his wife. Yeah. <laughs> shoved her in a garbage can. <laughs> How many more stupid people have heard that? Oh, you're talking about that. Yes. Well, you know, I've heard, have I heard, you know, I do Darwin Awards. I do, yeah. And I, again, this week, I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to do one after, you know, the guy put the plastic bag over his head. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good one, yeah. <sighs> Did you find an even better one? No. Oh. But, so I've got some, what I've done here is I've got three because they're kind of shorter. Mm-hmm. I've got two Darwin Awards and one that I, I call, um, if you go out and look up some of these, they call future Darwin Awards. So these are people that are definitely going to kill themselves doing something stupid in the future. Oh, okay. There's, I bet you there's probably just as many of those. Oh, well, yeah, my dad could have probably been one of those. <laughs> <laughs> However, so this one is a future. Okay. Future Darwin Award. I think. Yes, he's a future Darwin Award. Sorry, I'm just looking over my notes. So this gentleman, uh, we will call Future Johnny. Future Johnny. Future Johnny. <laughs> in March 15th. Does he have Nikes that lace themselves up? Oh, do you know that's a thing? I know. That's yeah. actually a thing that's out now. <laughs> I know. You sent me the link to the Back to the Future shoes. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, Wow. <laughs> So many things from Back to the Future is happening. I know. Well, same with and Star Trek. And did you Trek. know how many guys I say Star Trek? Yeah. So many things from Star Trek. Anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back to your stories. So, uh, a future Darwin Award, uh, future Johnny, um, in 2008 in Washington, he was an environmentalist with an attitude. He sought out. He sought out to make people pay for their sins against nature, and he thought what he was going to do was cut off thousands and thousands of households from having power. How? Well, let me tell you how. His plan um, that he had considered, he considered all the risks and took all the precautions. He really did. Except he completely underestimated the true power of the line that he was choosing to cut through. So using rubber gloves for insulation and a tree saw oh my God. attached to a metal pole. Oh my God. He cut through a he 60. He had a lot of faith in those rubber gloves. He cut through a 69,000 volt line. He was found lying on his back with his gloves partially melted on his hands and his pants burned away from his body. Oh my God. But amazingly, he survived. It was those rubber gloves. <laughs> So Robert Glass, he survived and was quoted as saying, I did it. I punished the rich people. Oh, my God. Um, they probably had power within an hour. It was the rich people of the Orcas Islands. And I make them pay for the death of the whales and the depletion of the rainforest. Oh, my God. No, 
nope, nope, you didn't. Nope, <laughs> not at all. And the few brain cells that you had left probably died with that. That's why he's a future Darwin over there. It's coming. <laughs> I don't know how many more years that I might I might Google him to see if he's actually still alive. Yeah. I'll do an update on the he's next. He's probably movie. in some kind of institution. <laughs> Wearing rubber gloves. <laughs> so, this is you know when people have that um, you know faith you know is this the what, what's that called when when um is this the way my life is supposed to go or you know or oh um, uh, what is that called but destiny yeah, yeah. destiny. This will give you one that believes that maybe, maybe you're, you do have a destiny and that everything that you're supposed to happen to you does happen to you. Okay. So your life is predetermined. Predetermined. Yes. So here you go. Johnny was just 28 years old when he was sentenced to death in South Carolina. Following an appeal though, he, um, that he managed to avoid the electric chair. Okay. So he got out of it. He, he wasn't going to be killed. He wasn't going to be in the chair. But even that, his destiny said no. Why? So, in March of 1998, Johnny was sitting on a steel prison toilet. And he was trying to fix a pair of headphones that he still had attached into his TV. He bit into the wire and actually electrocuted himself. He gave himself the electric chair. <laughs> right? Oh, in a disgraceful way, too. Yeah, right on the toilet. Well, at least, you know, they he say... He died it. like Elvis. Yeah. Well, they say, if, you know, when you die, you lose everything. Anyway, That's true. So there, yeah. But... They had less to clean up. Wow. eh? Yeah. Like you're supposed to die by the electric chair. You get out of it and then you still die be that, by yeah. being electrocuted That's sitting not... on a chair. And from headphones. Like this other guy cut a 68,000 volt. 69,000 volts. <laughs> he was... But Johnny wasn't wearing rubber gloves. <laughs> if he had the rubber gloves on, he would have been all right. Yeah. He should have had, or like, one of those dental things in or something, something. Yeah. <laughs> rubber mouth guard i don't know <laughs> so uh by the way all three of these you'll notice that i put a little electrical oh look at you put go. together on this so here's the third one now this one worries me a little bit because this sounds like something i might do <laughs> so don't worry <laughs> not that i would are you a future darwin i could punch, oh, well yes <laughs> i might yes i think <laughs> i probably am with some of the stupid stuff i do some days i'm surprised i'm still alive <laughs> However, um, in 2010, um, our Brazilian Johnny. Ooh, Brazil. Yes. Um, he had enough of the crime in his neighborhood, and he decided to take action to protect his car from being stolen. This is why I say it was me. Like, I could protect my car. I would protect my motorcycle. So he installed a small but shockingly powerful electric fence around his pride and joy, and it worked, and nobody touched the car at all. And it was a good thing because the fence provi uh, proved to be fatal. Oh, wow. <laughs> like we're Because when like Johnny went and forgot to turn off the fence the one morning, he was electrocuted and died when he went to get into his own Holy car. Holy shit. <laughs> That's like, not, that is, that must have been like really powerful. Right? <laughs> Like, that's a little bit more than a Sears diehard. Yeah, it's strange, though, right? Like, my mom got hit by lightning. This other guy cut through whatever the wires. 69,000. And then these guys are like, it's just my, like, and then you'll hear about somebody sticking a fork in a toaster and dying. It's weird how I kind of pick I just can't get over the headphone one. That one yeah. boggles my mind, the headphones. Because, I mean, there's been times, like, I didn't think, the like, you're sometimes, I mean, you sit in a bathtub. I wouldn't do it. But you've seen people sit in a bathtub wearing headphones while they're listening yeah. to music and stuff. Like. Could that kill them? 
I, I would have never thought it would. I would thought there was yeah. never enough voltage to do that. Well, it's probably because it was plugged into the TV, which was plugged into the wall, and then you're in yeah, an institution. I guess, and... I guess you got to channel it all through, and yeah. the electricity. Fine. I just, I did. I would never think that headphones would would carry yeah. that much. That's not so. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we're the podcast. Uh, we're uh, there. We're at the point now where we uh, tell you to vote and uh, not vote like, listen to us and listen do, to do us some stuff and uh follow us and uh give us five stars well give me five stars write Cheryl, four and a half write some I'm stories sad. nobody's writing me stories <laughs> yeah cheryl's very sad <laughs> again she's had two people have a story <laughs> anyways uh, so, yeah, so if you want to get a hold of us and give out the story or something like that, you can get a hold of us at debtorsurvivepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also get on our Facebook page. We've had a couple of people reach us out to us that way. So thank you very much. Yes. Uh, we appreciate that and hearing from everybody. Uh, and now we have a little twist. Cheryl oh, yeah. said that she found a dad joke that she just had to tell in the podcast. She wouldn't even tell me. So she is doing the dad <laughs> I joke. I forgot thing. I was doing this. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> I remember the joke. I just forgot. <laughs> you told this. me. I didn't even look up a dad joke. I'm like, I'm off the hook this week. I don't even have to go search for it. Okay. I'm going to tell you the joke. All right. Ready? Yes. Do trees poop? Yes. You're not supposed to answer yes. Oh, but they do. <laughs> what do they poop? Nuts. Okay. Let's try this again. Do trees poop? No. <laughs> then where do number two pencils come from? Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, see, everybody <laughs> wants to hear my dad jokes now, don't you? That's funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, bringing up number two again, eh? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Dead or Survive, and I will do the dad joke next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>